0: I'm
1: just getting too much glare off my head, but there's no way I can stop that
2: problem.
0: <laughs> I got the same problem. I feel you, I feel you,
2: man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. okay. We're now live on YouTube. So just quick intro. Just wanted to say, um, thank you. Andy Bryant for coming on the podcast with us tonight. Um, uh, school owner at Grace commerce.
0: Yes, so, sir. Yes, sir. I appreciate y'all having me on here. Yeah, no, thank you. It,
2: uh, like we were saying a second ago just before we went live, it's just nice to talk some jujitsu because we can't do any. So we might as well talk about it. Fair enough. <laughs> so all good. So you were just saying that your school's all up and running and you're all good to go and training and everything else and just normal?
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. We um we got we're pretty fortunate down here in Georgia. You know, we shut down for a little bit right there in in uh, March, but it was short-lived, a couple months, went to the virtual thing. Um uh, the students actually uh participated very well in it and then we did a little staged opening brought them back in pairs we call them pandemic pandemic partners kind of cording the mats off and then uh within a few weeks we were back to small class sizes and then now i'm, I'm pretty much back to normal um we, of course we stepped our protocols of cleaning which we, we obviously keep a clean place anyways but uh just a little more focus on the hand sanitizer make sure the, you know the 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 telling the guys not to come if they're feeling on the weather, which is, it was normal anyways, but just reiterating and a little bit more and stuff like that. Um, we've been super fortunate, had one, one student that come down with a, a case of COVID, uh, fortunately he hadn't trained here in several days. And then, but we had nobody else. He stayed away, uh, got a negative test, come back. He's back to train. Actually, I'm awarding him a blue melt tomorrow. So, uh, you know, we've been super, super fortunate, generally have, you know, 15 guys together, sometimes 20 on the mat, so. That's pretty good.
2: And it seems That seems to be kind of the story of a lot of jujitsu schools. I haven't heard many schools that are open that have had kind of too many cases or anything like that, so.
0: No, we, like I said, we haven't really had in anything that's been a big major concern, so we've been blessed at that, you know, and uh, the timing wasn't best for us. You know, we actually just opened our school at the end of 19, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, you know it is what it is my guys stay with me and uh we actually have I actually started growing again my phone was a little stagnant for a while but um all of a sudden i started doing some intros here and there and then trickling in law enforcement i've got I had four police officers come in last week so uh with now that we're doing the stag program i think we're getting some more traction with that and um so i'm starting to see a lot more law enforcement in school i've got a lot of law enforcement anyways but um so yeah, we're just seeing a lot of guys, just you know, a lot of traction back coming back. We haven't been marketing any, um, you know, other than just a little bit on social media, simply because I haven't wanted to try to create an influx of new people.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, but we're still having, you know, word of mouth and and still having growth, which is a good thing.
2: Yeah, it's good if you can get it without having to uh, having to do too much marketing yeah. stuff on top. So then you know you got that in your sort of back pocket, haven't you, for when you
0: need to. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: You think it's what, what do you think it is? Do you think it's people like just excited to be able to get out and do something and they've decided to take that opportunity whilst they can kind of thing?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think some of that is where people are just stir crazy. And I think, you know, some people probably that were interested before or now just, you know, a lot of guys are just over the COVID, just to be honest with you in, in my area. They're like, ah. you know, but uh, I think that's what it is. People are just now they're getting out and you know, Always slows down right before Christmas, anyways. I think that's one reason we had a couple stagnant months. I didn't really have any intros to speak, you know, just one here, one there. Um, but it's weird that it's it's picked up right here before Christmas. Normally, you don't see that till after the first of the year, you know. So, I think that's it. Yeah, I think people are just a little stir crazy and, and ready to to get out and do something.
3: I think the usual seasons are all over the place at the moment. We were talking to the uh, the guy we get our equipment from yesterday, and he mm-hmm. was saying, like, "His December is like a normal November," and he's. Like all the, all the months or over the place, you can't, you just can't forecast it or or compare it to anything else.
0: Yeah, I mean, in the states, I don't, I'm not sure it's different over where you're at, but it's kind of a weird thing. I own an electrical business, also. Um, that's my my primary, you know, means of income. I've, I've owned a it since I've ran it since 2007. We've been open since 1961. It's a family business, and we're covered up. I've got more than I can do. I don't answer my phone for half my phone calls so we've got guys here that are just really swamped with just different facets of work and the other side of the spectrum is people sitting at home and there's really nothing in the middle it's kind of strange yeah
3: yeah i think that's a bit similar here right
2: i think so yeah like i'm kind of so i'm a personal trainer outside of the jiu jitsu stuff and mm-hmm. and we're swamped with people wanting personal training because they don't want to train at big gyms anymore they don't want to you know so we're just yeah with me and all of the other trainers there are just um are just you know pretty busy so yeah which i didn't expect at all i thought we were done you know i thought like jujitsu we were going to really struggle but yeah it's so super busy so. Well,
0: that's good uh the the thing about it is i mean it's it's weird it you know the slowdown does have its blessings that it allowed us to maybe focus some some uh energy in other places you know and, and accomplish some other goals um we just did a podcast with uh, Marty Josie, me and several of the other guys last week, and yeah. kind of that was the theme of it. But it's all of us kind of had the same thing. We were talking about we, being that we slowed down in the schools, it gave us the ability to start focusing in other places that we needed to put focus in that we generally haven't had a lot of time. So that's kind of been the running theme, I think, with a lot of the jujitsu and martial arts guys in, in general. You know, it gives you the ability to, to look at that other stuff, which is good um, for sure. Yeah.
3: I think nine months might be a bit too long
0: though. I, I agree with that. I'm i done
3: now. <laughs> so you okay.
2: were saying about um, your like your intro program and stuff. If someone like walks in fresh off the street and wants to, to try the club, what's sort of, what would they expect? What's their kind of journey with that?
0: We just throw them out there with their and let them beat them up. No, I'm just awesome. kidding. Uh, <laughs> um I actually get a ton of walk-ins. Um, it's kind of weird. I don't get a lot of phone calls. I'm in a, in a good spot where I get a lot of traction. So uh, we bring guys in. If, if they're interested, we do an intro with them. Um, we offer them two weeks. Uh, and what I do is um, I do a, I've got a class time set aside at Tuesdays at 6, and I'll book these intros in for that time. So I might have one, or sometimes I might have three or four guys. And I bring in one or two of my other instructors to pair them up with. And I kind of just, I tell them it's a sampler class. It's going to be a lot of information that's going to come kind of quickly, especially for new people. But it's more just to get them to see how my classes are structured. Um, Randy and I run uh, the exact same curriculum. I I actually taught at his school for several years before I opened mine. And, um, you know, we kind of structure our classes where we have like a stand-up portion. It'll be uh, some minimal striking, basic striking, either clinches, takedowns, and then uh, what we call surprise attacks. A lot of people call standing self-defense. And then the second half of class would be ground grappling. We generally try to tie it all together. So I kind of, you know, run through a class with them to let them see how that structure is more, more than anything and just give them a few things to play with. Um, and then I generally try to get them to stay for my 7.30 class and put them into a group class that same night. So they can kind of get two classes at once. They get a little bit of, you know, tailored to them just to, to get them their feet wet. And then I put them with um, an upper belt uh, in, in the group class and whatnot so that they can kind of get immersed into what we're doing we give them two weeks um, i have an all-encompassing membership once you join the family you can come to wherever i've got you know uh, we have a fundamentals class every night we're open and then um, let them check it out we loan them a uniform uh, that way they don't have to buy a gi right out of the gate and then from there they generally decide if they want to you know convert over and become members and do a membership with us or not uh, require they get uh, 10 classes under the belt before we let them go to any of the open mat stuff. And even at that point, when they do open mat, we don't just throw them out in the mix. Um, generally first person they ever roll with is me. And then from there, I'll hand them off to Lindsay, my, my, uh, my wife, she's a purple belt or some of my blue belt guys that can, you know, flow with them and just not, you know, destroy their confidence right out of the gate and that kind of thing. So, uh, we kind of have a progressive system to get them out on the mats and, and set them up for success.
1: Nice. Uh, sorry, Pete and Rob, but I feel like I want to sign up with uh, with Andy now. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> come on, buddy. love the heavy. <laughs> well, such a good
2: job, but uh, where do I sign up? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So you, um, obviously the bit we didn't talk about, I should have done in my intro, really, is that obviously you're a a, a black belt under Master Sauer. I am. Is, uh, awesome. Um, so how did you how did you start with Master Sauer? How did you kind of find him and
0: Oh, so uh, I um, it's kind of interesting Um the, the guy I tested for my black belt with a good friend of mine is named Adam Bowen. Um, he's actually been training a couple of years longer than me. I'm a small guy. Uh, I'm, you know, five foot six, 140 pounds. Adam's pretty big guy and whatnot. And he used to always tell me, Oh, you need to try this jujitsu stuff. And I'm like, man, I am not getting on a mat with a bunch of big dudes and getting smashed. uh, I was, I, I, at the time I I did kickboxing, my arms are about this long. Like, so it makes no sense to strike, but I was like, I'm just going to kick you in the head. You know, that was my answer. And, um, I actually started kickboxing more as a political move because the guy that I was doing a lot of work for at the time, his family was kickboxing there. So I was like, I'm gonna go rub elbows with this guy, you know, and I actually started liking martial arts, you know. So uh, my instructor, he was also a Japanese jujitsu guy. And uh, I-, I did kickboxing with him for about two years. Uh, his wife come down with a bad case of breast cancer. And so he had to give up his class and um the last week i was there he told me he said hey andy you would probably join enjoy, enjoy jiu-jitsu you should try it and i was like eh you know so uh the class ended and adam he just stayed on me about coming to randy school he trained at randy school and i was like all right fine so i showed up and uh took a class I remember going oh my lord i will never ever ever figure all this out this is like quantum physics you know and uh joined the, joined Come back. Me and Randy become good friends, um, and there we just took off. You know, I spent a decade in his school. So when I ju- first joined his school, we were um, we were uh, uh, affiliated under Eddie Camden. He's another one of Pedro's black belts
1: yeah.
0: um, out of Atlanta. And Randy was traveling back and forth to Eddie's place uh, a good bit, at least once a week, sometimes twice a week, doing privates. You know, uh, Randy was a was a blue belt at the time. Um, he'd uh, obtained his blue belt from Hoist when he was in Special Forces, and uh, he, he had a blue belt for quite a long time because, you know, while he was in the military, he didn't really have a place to obtain rank because he never stayed in one place very long. So after he opened his school, um, he found Eddie and, uh, and started training with Eddie. So uh, he would go up, do his privates, come back. We would work through all the material. And then we would go up, see Eddie for testing and seminars and, you know, do, do stuff with him that way and whatnot. And uh, eventually Eddie swapped over to uh, Grace University. Uh he's a I think he's a level four CTC now. Right. And um I actually I obtained my blue and my purple belt from Eddie. So my lineage has always been under professor. Um time come where you know we we started just looking at at how what associations we w- wanted to come under, um, you know, whether we were gonna be become a CTC as well. Randy looked at the hoises Association too, because you know, he got his blue belt and voice and worked with him in SF. And then, you know, we just kept coming back to Master Sour. That was our lineage anyways and we got introduced to um uh alan baker and it was the it was the perfect fit for us it was just a really good opportunity alan has been a phenomenal mentor um when i when we joined the association i was a a three-stripe purple belt i believe alan scooped us in and told us exactly hey this is what you need to do this is this is the path we had thousands of hours on the mat already you know um uh, under eddie and um we just needed some guidance, you know. Once we come in, and Alan did it. Um, I tested for my brown belt under Alan. Uh, of course, I met I met Master. Master oh. I need to turn my do not disturb on on my phone. But <laughs> it- <laughs> Sorry, guys. As soon as we joined the association uh, met Master Sauer, and then. From there, you know, I trained with him as much as I possibly could. Uh, and Alan gave us the path as a great mentor. And that the rest is history. Um, I'm actually becoming more and more involved with the association now. Uh, I've been deeply involved since we started. Uh, anytime I get a chance, if, if professors within driving distance, I go and whatnot. And now I'm working a good bit with Mark, uh, helping him on the instructor side of things, the instructor programs and, and all that stuff. We're trying to develop a lot of new stuff now coming out in 2021
1: so how long how long have you been training
0: jiu uh let's see 13 years i believe yeah, yeah. Uh i was a mat rat <laughs> when i when i started with randy uh there was a i can't remember the exact number but there was a time where i hit like almost 300 consecutive classes in a school i never missed a class i was always there you know so uh I don't have any idea how many hours I actually have on the mat. We didn't really keep up with it very good in the beginning, you know, but uh, so, yeah.
1: Where did that come from, Andy? Why did you not want to miss a class? Yeah, what was the drive?
0: Um, I am a very goal-oriented person. When I make my mind up, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do it. Uh, I knew the minute I walked in or, or walked out of Randy's school for the first time, I said, well, I'm going to get my black belt, period. End of discussion. You know, there, there was none of this. Uh, you know I'll I'll do a year I mean that's that's just how I am once I put my mind to something I'm in there for the long haul so got the black belt and then you know that's what led me down the path to the school Um, I'm kind of overachiever a little bit you know after I got my black belt I'd already been teaching for Randy for up at his school for like six years and so I was like "Ah, this is cool I woke up one morning told Lindsay said let's open a school I thought she thought was gonna think I was crazy but she jumped on board so You know, last year we ripped into a place, open to school. And then now I'm like, all right, now I got a school, got my team built. I think I want to get more involved with the association, you know. So one thing leads to another.
1: That's brilliant. Uh, I mean, people, people obviously hit their, you know, different, um, you know, roadblocks along the way and and different things that cause them to wonder whether or not they can carry on with jujitsu. But did did you ever have any of those moments where, uh, where, you know, where you doubted whether you'd get there or?
0: Oh, absolutely. I, there was several times that I sat in Randy's office and tried to give my belts back, you know, <laughs> 100%. You know, like this is it's, nothing's clicking. This just isn't working. And, uh, you know, <laughs> that, I think that's part of the journey. I always tell the guys, and Randy used to tell me, you know, you hit those plateaus and everybody starts thinking that oh, this just ain't going to work for me. That's really, you know, when you're fixing to take your next leap. And sometimes it's not even a plateau. Sometimes it's a downward, you know, dip in what you're doing. But really, if you'll just hold on and just trust the process, you know, then you're fixing to see another skyrocket in your ability within within our, your training and what you do.
1: It's lovely for people to hear you say that as well, because, you know, I often say that to people, but it, it, I think it, it makes so much more sense coming from somebody that's been doing it for so much longer and, uh, yeah but, but, but is that trust the process but it's that it's, it's the process that you can't see you can't you can't you can't yeah you know, it, it takes a while to even understand or even trust that there is a process it's, uh, yes yeah it's hard
0: yeah. it's hard <laughs> <laughs> absolutely it is for sure yeah. <laughs> and we try, right.
3: and,
0: Here's we, try the
2: and tell, we try and tell the guys that like, they're like, so so. how long have you guys been training? And we'll tell them, and they'll be like, okay, so I've been training. And then we're like, yeah, but it's it's easier for you because we've got the process set up. Whereas for us, it was just us, you know, us three, you know? So-
0: it's even like that in my academy, you know, because when I opened the doors, I filled this sucker up with white belts, you know, and I had white belts training with white belts. And, and it was like, oh, my Lord, it was a madhouse. <laughs> <laughs> So now I tell them all the time, I'm like, guys, you cut the path through the jungle. The guys coming behind you now in this school have got it made, you know, because uh, one of the things Randy did when he set up uh, how we structure our classes is, you know, a lot of schools have like a fundamentals and they'll have an open rank. We have our fundamentals is our open rank. And then we have, you know, blue belt and above. But um, we require all our blue belts to come back to a certain amount of fundamentals classes to, to obtain their next rank. So they have to come back. And the reason I make them come back is A, they need to, they they always can get more detail. But B, I generally try to never partner same ranked people together. I want my blue belts, I want my highest ranking guy to be partnered with my lowest ranking guy. That way, when I'm out on the mountain and I'm bouncing around and I'm tweaking, you know, they're almost getting a little private lesson, you know, while they're training. And, you know, uh, the the process is, it just works very well.
2: Yeah, we've kind of gone through those as well when we get back through those growing pains and we've got a selection of good blue belts now and yeah trying to get them to be fair we've been really lucky all our blue belts all turn up to the fundamentals program all the time what's that
0: they want hours yeah they want their hours yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah but some you know the, the hardest thing for people to realize in the beginning is hours don't always equate rank you know Right. I mean, um, master's hours minimum is 100 hours from white to blue. Uh, I've got a young man now. He'll be 16 in just a couple of weeks. So, he's, he's teetering on his blue belt. He's been with me over a year. He, he's got 175 class hours right now, yeah. not including his open match, you know. Um, so, it, it, you can't really look at the hours. you got to look at the, the hours plus the, you know, the, it, just the content of, of the knowledge. You know, some people take a little longer to get it than others. Some people get it faster. You know, and that's one thing that, that's, you know, for me, I, I've, I, I love jujitsu. I don't have the jujitsu brain that one of my training partners did. I, I had a guy train with for 10 years and he can put it together in his brain just better than I can, you know. And you have those phenoms and you have, you know, kind of middle of the road guys. You got other guys that struggle a little bit to pick it up, but they eventually will. So, you know, hours are important, but most important is just, you know, just getting in the grind and, and loving what you do more or less.
1: Making it reflex rather than.
0: Uh, what do I do now? Yeah. 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 Uh, I tell all my guys too. you know, jujitsu is, is a, um, a principle based art, right. But you, you can't teach a brand new white belt principles of how mechanics of the body works. It's impossible. So, you know, we use these fundamental techniques as, as a vehicle to get them to start to understand how to move their body and, in you know, learn principle. And from there, you know, my blue belts, purple belts, browns, that's when I actually start working on with them for, you know, to quit operating out of memorization of technique and looking in the Rolodex. But, you know, understanding how to move their body based on the principle of jiu and technique is derived from that. Um, Alan has a phenomenal series, um, Living Mechanics. that's kind of based all on that concept. Uh, you can literally go to one of his seminars and he might teach a technique in that hour or he may not even get to it (laughs) because it's all mechanics of the body and it has nothing to do with actual technique until the end. He's like, Oh, there's the technique right at the end of it. So it's kind of an amazing thing. If you've never had a chance to train with that guy.
2: Yeah, that's definitely someone because weirdly randomly, he was kind of who got us involved with the association and with master sour nice way back when, because he was doing, he was doing the, Rob will correct me if I get it wrong. He was doing the training with the Masters seminar a long time ago, like eight years, nine years ago. And the guy we used to teach for um, when we were teaching like other arts from kickboxing and Thai boxing, um, mm-hmm. we said we'd like Jiu-Jitsu in, you know, in the school and we'd like to train Jiu-Jitsu. And so he was, when he was out there, he spoke to Alan Baker. It was Alan who then put him on to Master Sour, which nah. is why we then ended up
0: with this alan's a a hidden gem in our association because alan he's um he doesn't put himself out there in the front very much he works very much in the background and he pushes other people out to the front you know because uh you know he's he's not a guy that looks for a spotlight he's a a true martial artist in the sense so he's kind of like a little hidden gem in the association that i think sometimes people don't realize just what that man knows and just you know how uh, decorated of a martial artist he is! He's got more like twenty black belts, I think, from the who's who of all these arts. You know, he's a he's a, a like a Jason Bourne in real life.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he keeps cropping up every now and again with uh, <laughs> conversations with people.
0: Yeah, yeah, very. You should try to get him on your podcast and pick his brain a little bit. He's got some stuff in the works right now. Um, his Warriors Path Mastermind Group. I'm going to be a part of that with him. Uh, we're having our first session uh, in January this year. And it's, uh, it's you know, it's, it's, um, he, it's kind of hard to explain, but basically, you know, the gist of it is all the lessons he's learned through the martial arts lifestyle and taking that and helping people become success, successful in whatever it is they want to be in, you know, um, from those life lessons because he's got a lot of them. So um, that's something he's fixing to roll out, you know, relatively soon, hopefully next year. And something we're working on um, that—that's kind of the next phase uh, for me in business, for sure. You know, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, I, like I said, I have a successful electrical business, but the martial arts world's a different business. So, you know, I'm looking forward to getting his insight on all that stuff and what he's learned to to help grow what we're doing here.
2: What do you think? It, uh, like jumping back a little bit, almost. You were saying about obviously the mechanics and everything like that, and getting teaching that once people who've got past that kind of white belt stage and they can learn it and absorb it. How do you get across, how do you sort of distill down and get across kind of Master Sour's mechanics, which are quite unique in a way, aren't they, sometimes? Some of the things he does are, are, kind, of, are kind of, you, you, you recognise his jujitsu, jitsu even if I didn't know, you know, again, and I'm only a purple belt, but if I see someone training, you can kind of go, that's a Master Sour. Black belt. <laughs> How do you distill that down and keep like get that across to other people? Because I, I find that quite hard sometimes.
0: <laughs> you try to get them in front of him because it's simple brilliance, you know. Like uh, uh, Master Sour doesn't have like super flashy flying omoplataz and barambolos, but you know when you watch the man and you and he moves, he 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 just moves in a way that you, it's simple brilliance. That's the only way I can put it you know, and it's funny because uh, every time I train with him or any time I get to go see him, you know, um, I always pick up something and it's normally something that's small that is huge. I drove all the way down to Desden one time to train with him at Carlos Diaz's school and I was watching him defend the bottom of the side mount and I saw him hook his arm on the inner side of his of his knee, you know, while he was escaping and he was talking through the movie and he didn't even mention what he was doing there and I was like, whoa, uh, back up, like, Why would you do that? You know, and he's like, oh, my friend, you know, you you got to put your hand here to accomplish this. And the whole trip, that was was worth the drive. Just to see, hey, you need to stick your hand here to transfer energy up to here, to to move this guy here. It's always something like that, you know. And I tell people, I tell my guys when they're training with him, you know, listen to him because he's smart for sure. But use your eyeballs. Watch him because he's doing stuff with his body that he's not even thinking about. It's so... You know, second nature to him to move in this way. That you know, while he's doing stuff with his feet, but talking about his hands, the magic might be on the other end. What he's actually, you know, will change your stuff. So that's really what it is: is simple brilliance. You know, just the understanding of levers. You know, uh, he talks big about placing jacks and places, but the understanding that of, of levers and leverage. That that's it. That's him. His game to a T. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's incredible. Like said, I love that. You that you're watching. Yeah. He's talking about one thing and there's something completely different going on down the bottom. And then sometimes he'll do, it, he'll do a move and then he'll do it ever so slightly different the second time. And you oh, go, yeah. Why did you do that that way? Oh, just because of where his weight was.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. The guy lifted his big toe a little to the left this time. And I felt it, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah. I watched the man one time talking about, um, the grip of his hand, you know, and th- this is how deep he thinks about his, his body movement. He's like, When you're using grips and you grip your hand, your natural reaction is for contraction of the bicep, right? So your arm becomes weaker, you know? So he uses open hand if he wants to keep the arm extended versus gripping when he needs the arm extended. Like I am not at that level. (laughs) I'm just holding on and trying to survive, you know? So he's actually (laughs) thinking in that deep of a level, you know, and it's second nature to him. It goes back to, he operates out of that principle and he doesn't he doesn't memorize techniques anymore. Randy says all the time he doesn't do jujitsu, he creates jujitsu on the spot right in front of him. Yeah, amazing, incredible.
2: <laughs> yeah, just play yeah, just blows your mind. So what's yep. um, so how how are you fitting? Obviously, we talked to Randy a little bit about it. So with the uh with the stag stuff, how are you fitting that in with your school and
0: um so I actually have, like I said, I have a lot of law enforcement here. Uh, it's, it's crazy. I'm, I'm blessed to have them. I opened the doors and I filled my, my school up with cops. Uh, so we actually ended up using my guys as kind of a pilot study because I had them, you know. And um, a lot of the thing with law enforcement, you know, especially as jujitsu guys, you go to the law enforcement, you're like, hey, I got something I can show you. And, you know, we don't know what it's like to be a cop, you know. And sometimes it comes across, in my opinion, the wrong way when you're telling a law enforcement guy that he's, he doesn't know how to do his job very well, and we got something to show him. So we kind of re-evaluated the way we approached it. And even Randy, he's a special forces guy, but he still don't know what it's like to be a cop, you know? So we, we re, uh, redid our approach, used my guys as a pilot study, and, and kind of approached it with, hey, guys, we don't know what it's like to be a cop. We have a skill set that will help you, help us help you, Right. So we compiled kind of what what they told us that, that they felt like they needed. And then we built a curriculum based on that. We took the curriculum to, to Master Sauer, had him tweak it, you know, uh, being that his name's on it and we're doing it under his association. And uh, from there, that's how we rolled it out. Um, Randy asked me if I would want to be involved. And I'm like, absolutely, you know, I'm, I'm down to do whatever. Uh, me and him are a team. If <laughs> Generally, if you get Randy, you get me. If you get me, you get Randy. We do a lot of stuff together. So um, it's been um, – it's been a good year for that with the COVID stuff. We've had the ability to, to put a lot into it. I've had, uh, I think two or three up here that we did some seminars up here. Great turnouts for law enforcement. Um, I got tied up with, uh, the actually the uh, sheriff's office up here and, uh, actually had their defensive tactics coordinator come down and sign off on all my training. I got post credit for all their, you know, the, the, the police officers that showed up so they could get their continuing education credit through our course. And, uh, working on that kind of that piece now so that it's twofold. They'll get some good intel and information. They'll also get credit that they need, you know, uh, on top of it. Uh, put some icing on the cake for them, that kind of thing. So that's that's kind of how I've been involved. Um, our curriculum videos, I'm you know, when we videoed those, I'm, I'm the guy that gets beat up by Randy. Um, I get beat up by Randy a lot. That's kind of what – that's kind of my job.
1: <laughs> so what's the – the... Sorry, with the, uh, the you know the stag stuff, is there anything that you developed for the for the police officers that you've just incorporated into your day to day jujitsu? You know, going through that process, you think this works better for, for everything now?
0: I, you know, we do a little bit here. Um, I hate getting into the sport versus self defense talk, you know, because everybody always gets spun up about it. Um, but there is a difference, and it's not necessarily difference in technique. A lot of times it's just difference in mentality and mindset and tactics. Um, we're a very self-defense oriented school here. Uh, my guys, you know, they want to do competition. We'll go do competition. I'm down to do whatever. I think there's value in everything. There's value in standing across from somebody that you don't know and getting that adrenaline piece, you know, pumping and whatnot. Um, but the mindset we always have is even though we're ground grapplers and great on the ground, we might not always want to be on the ground. Uh, Situation, you know, you're in a crowded place. You don't necessarily want to be down on the ground because I don't know about you guys, but I generally don't go out by myself. I'm with my friends, and I would think that if I'm getting my my tail handed to me, my friend would probably come over and, and take care of the problem. Um, so we always talk about t- getting back to our feet or getting to a position, um, i.e., knee on belly, you know, modified mount, something like that, where my field of view is better, where we can see. So that translates very well over into the law enforcement piece too. Um, with all my cops, you know, that are here, I. I always pull them to the side. Even when I'm teaching technique, like fundamental technique, sometimes I'll tweak it, give them a variation that's specific for them because of the weapons are involved, you know, weapons retention, or just making sure the weapon sides, you know, where it's at, that they they understand instead of being, you know, over the arm, I might need to be under the arm for this reason, that kind of thing. But a lot of it translates just because of our, our mindset. I get that from Randy, you know, like I said, he's a, he's a special forces guy. So his tactical mindset, you know, it's being that I trained with him for so long. It's kind of, you know osmosis through me um so sometimes just the, the way we we break things down is a little different because of that so to, yeah yes and no i guess to answer your question uh, you know i still teach fundamental good basic jiu-jitsu but the mindset sometimes is just a little bit different
2: so what's the um uh the how's that kind of rolling out across the association now have, the, have you guys i know you were doing it the other weekend at camp yeah uh,
0: um so you know, a lot of people like Henry and Huron pretty much have the law enforcement stuff sewed up with departments. GST has been around for a long time. It's a great product, um, you know, and trying to break into departments is very tough, just to be honest. So uh, it's something we're interested in. You know, we definitely want to do some stuff with departments specific. But it, the better avenue right now is to try to put together a, a curriculum that we can um work with our association affiliates with, and then they can do the same model we're doing. Like, you know, they do their qu- quarterly thing. And then it's easier to, to, for a local person to build some rapport with a, a local department and get in there with their guys than it is for an association like us to try to build rapport with a local department. Is it, You know, it's, it's tough to do. Um, so that's kind of our, our first idea is to, to put it out there to association affiliates, get them trained up, um we have you know an option where you can get certified to teach uh the lead course which is part of stag stag is overall encompassing it's sour tactical advisory group it's going to be many legs before it's over there'll be a military section law enforcement and civilian uh we're focused on law enforcement now and then the first program under the law enforcement leg is lead which is law enforcement aggression and de-escalation so we'll get you certified in that course and what that course is is a four hour uh takes about a uh it's a 10-hour course to certify you in a four-hour course. So now you have the ability to take our curriculum, do a four-hour continuing ed basis thing for, for a local department, and then trying to get them to do the same thing, get kind of a relationship built with a DT instructor that can sign off on it and have that two-fold process. The idea is if you can build rapport with the local department is to drive guys from that area into your school into regular classes. So that's kind of what we're working on now. And um, our certification is 10 hours long. It's about six hours of working on technique and then about four hours on uh, presentation. Um, Because remember, the mindset's a little different. We get jujitsu guys that, you know, are always on the ground, want to be on the ground. We got to kind of retrain their thinking for this specific, you know, uh, thing we're trying to do. So that's kind of what we're we're doing now. And then, you know, eventually we want to, like, try to take it out of that and, and go straight into departments. We have a um, uh, Chad Pittman. He's one of our our guys in the association. I don't know if you know Chad. Yep. He's an OG with with Pedro. Um, he's I think he's a three right black belt. And um, currently he's a he travels around for the for the military and they they pay him to go in and train law enforcement. So you know we might have an end to work with Chad on some of that stuff in the future once we develop this on out a little bit more. But right now our focus is is association specific you know affiliation uh, affiliates
2: so are you running them are they sort of running through camps and things like that the uh the accreditation for the association guys to get trained in that
0: yeah we've got one coming up in in mid-april we're working on it now um our spring camp this year is going to be in atlanta um at allen school actually uh date should be released i think right after the first of the year I think he's him and Mark Cucro are, are nailing all that down as we speak. Me and Randy are going to be doing a, a stag session there. On, I think it's on a Thursday and then uh, and whatnot. So that's kind of our first thing. And we'll, we're, we're always willing to go somewhere. If somebody wanted to bring us in, you know, me and Randy will travel. Other options, people can come to us. Either way, you know, we're, we're pretty open to, to whatever. Uh, it, obviously, the camps is the easiest place to do it because we're going to have the most people that are, are, you know, coming together at once. Um, but – you know, we don't want to get too many people at one time anyways, because that you know is a little detrimental to what we're trying to do. We try to keep it smaller, 15, 20 guys the most would be what we would want, maybe thirty, but you know, um, I think we had I think we had 10 or 12 up at, in Herndon, and it was actually a really good number.
2: Cool. Sounds good. Sounds good. If ever we get to do jujitsu again. That'd <laughs> <laughs> be good to do. And you said you, you were doing some stuff with the instructor training as well.
0: For- yeah. Um, so we had professor come um, to Georgia. He was our, we were actually his first seminar out of the quarantine lockdown stuff here in the States. And, um, I you know, I've spent a, a lot of time with professor in seminars and, and training and following him around. But I didn't really know him on a personal level, you know. And so it was kind of important to me after the school, I wanted him to come to my school and, um, and, you know, train with the guys here. And I also wanted to, to, to be able to spend some time with him outside the school. Um, my wife, she had she bought us a lake house a couple of years ago. And so I invited him down for an extended weekend and invited, uh, Miss wife to come as well. So we got to spend some time with him at the lake off the mat, you know, and, and chit chatting and talking and whatnot. And, um, me and randy had some ideas that we thought would benefit the association and uh he put me in touch with mark kukro i remember i was driving him back to the airport and he's like or oh, you need to call mark i'm like all right i'll call him you know so literally i was on the phone with mark like i was waving professor by on the plane i'm calling mark you know and um since then i i have been back and forth to charlotte a good bit i talked to mark a, a lot um working with him on the instructor piece. Uh, I uh, went up with him. He did one in Charlotte uh, last month or the month before we went up, observed it, watched with him and, uh, helped a little bit here and there. And then we come back and started tweaking on it with him, uh, putting some ideas. Randy has a 10 week instructor course that we do internally. So we took some of that stuff out and, um, sent it over to Mark to look at, see if he would be interested in implementing it. And he, he was, uh, open to it. And, uh, I actually wrote up some of the practical exercises that we're going to be using in the next one and submitted it to him. And he tweaked it out and putting it in there. So uh, I'm interested in doing that piece. Um, uh, very, very interested in that, actually. And I'm I'm also interested in uh, helping guys, especially non-black belt schools. Uh, I got a big place in my heart for it. I, I oversee the guys down in Chattanooga. I started taking care of them about six months ago just promoted one of them to brown belt or alan did I took uh, alan went down there for a seminar and so i had him come up got him ready and and had him test him and promote one of them to brown belt and i, I like doing that mentor piece i'm, I'm a, a people person so I, I like to talk and like to communicate back and forth so i've got a lot of interest in that as well
2: that's cool yeah it's good it's good to have that sort of training around and get that going that'll be exciting it sounds like it's from what we've heard obviously we've spoken to we've spoken to randy we spoke to him the other night just about the association and stuff so it sounds exciting for 2021 and all the new stuff that's coming in and everyone on board doing loads of stuff to to make it better you know
0: yeah we're, we're wanting to implement some more business stuff too you know that's what we found is uh uh we we had the call list split up hannah's calling most of the guys and. uh I took a few and Randy took a few just to get a little bit off of her plate. But, uh, uh, that's what we found a lot, of, a lot of guys are just wanting some, some business advice too. And we've got, there's, we, we've got some phenomenal jujitsu guys in the, in the association. We got some phenomenal business guys too, you know? And so trying to just tap some of those other resources within our, our, our pool and, you know, help as many people as we can help to grow, you know, the, the association, but more importantly, I think we need to grow it from within. Um, It'd be nice to get bigger. We've got hundred, I think, 158 schools now, but you know, I, I want to see everybody in that's already a piece of what we have grow together and uh, just make it better. And then from there, we'll you know we'll grow you know outside of it as well. But I think the focus right now is to just help everybody within become better business people and uh, and whatnot. So trying to that's a, a big part of what we're trying to do now is just up the communication and uh, try to tighten tighten the web a little bit.
2: Oh, nice so with the have you got kids program at your place and what's that like have you got
0: i don't actually um <laughs> i've never really taught kids a lot to be honest I've, I've always done adults uh we we were gonna launch a kids program last year we were you know most most of the guys would say, oh you need to launch it in august where it'll explode i'm going oh no i need to launch it in, this, in the summer where i can get just a trickle you know so i can get, get this under me but um, I've got a, a a guy that that's my right hand man that runs my front desk and whatnot. I've known him for 20 plus years. Great great guy. Um, he loves kids. He's got grown youngins and grand youngins. Uh, he also trained with Eddie back in the day. Some with us or you know got uh, got his blue belt from Eddie. And he had a little bit of a hiatus through Jujitsu, but he's back. He's on my mat, uh, behind the front desk with me every night. Uh, so he's actually going to head up my kids program. Uh, with Corona, we decided to wait. Obviously. And then he actually had that back surgery. So he's had it, and he's on the recovery now. And once he is back to where he can get out on the mat, we're going to launch sometime after the first year, maybe the spring, it, it, it's coming. But currently, we, you know, we're just an adult school.
2: Yeah, you're right. That's the risk. It could go crazy. You could have hundreds of kids
0: <laughs> wanting to enroll. Yeah. And... Well. You know, I, there's no way I, I can be here by three o'clock, you know, four days a week to run it. Cause I gotta, I gotta maintain the electrical business right now. Uh, my goal is to, you know, get more into jujitsu and more involved with the association and slow my electrical business down. Anyways, my dad, he's, he's probably two years from retiring and when he hangs it up, I'm not going to hang it up, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut way back on that and, uh, and whatnot and put my focus over here. So I, yeah, if I had, you know, hundred kids show up all of a sudden, and I had to be here every day at three o'clock. It'd be a, it'd be a bad thing.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pretty crazy.
0: And we were the
2: same though. We didn't, we didn't have a kids program, did we,
0: for the first what four years?
3: Three, I think. Three you had a kids thing for two years, pretty
0: much now. Yeah, we had. Yeah, true. Yeah. Really? Yeah. When y'all, were, when y'all were open, what is your percentage percentages kids versus adults now that you have a kids program?
3: Before COVID or right now?
0: <laughs> Before COVID.
3: Uh, I think it was what did we say the other day? We worked it out, didn't we? It's probably
2: 15. So, 15 in that 130. I think before COVID, we probably had nearly 50 kids, probably. Yeah,
0: probably. Versus how many adults? 70, 75. Maybe a shake. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I got you. So, about a 60 40. Yeah. More adults than kids. Yeah. You see, a lot of kids, a lot of places that have kids' school, they explode with kids. Like um, Mark Huco has a huge kids' program. You know, I've, I've talked to a lot of the other guys' association that have a big kids' program. So I guess it kind of depends on your area. Like I said, yeah. I don't know what to expect. I'm, I, that's going to be a whole new one for me when that happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We did a bit
2: of a, on. So we already have one in one area. It's because we're kind of split over a couple of areas mm-hmm. and they're quite close together, but we had one in one area and that was quite busy. And then, we kind of did a pre-launch and a pre-sale on another area with the kids' class, and then that filled up almost instantly, didn't it? Yeah. Especially for the younger ones. So, so yeah, yeah, it can it can do, especially with like the pre-sale and things like that. That kind of that made quite a big difference, didn't it, to the, to the numbers instantly?
3: It was, almost, it was a ready-made class, wasn't it?
0: Really. Yeah. What age do y'all start your kids at? Five. Five. Yeah, I think we were going to do six. I think is what ran. I'm leaving it up to Chris. I told him, I said, it's all you, buddy. <laughs> 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 you fig- you figure it out, man. You do the schedule, you do it all. I'll be here to support you when I can. <laughs> you use the rationale of the, of the sort of
3: age when they were going to school, really. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. If they're able to go to school, you
3: know, seven hours or whatever, they're
1: good for. Uh... We were talking with uh, Kirsten De Brooker the, uh, the other week and. <clears throat> The funniest thing is trying to teach the kids to be good bad guys for each other because they literally they just like they just flop on each other. And it's like impossible <laughs> to teach them to do a move. But now you've got me a good bad guy. You spend half your time trying to teach them that.
2: Yeah, that's that's pretty. They much.
1: are they are hilarious, and uh, <laughs> I wish I could pick it up as quick as they do. It's they're, they're amazing.
0: Oh, it's it's nuts when you watch them in tournaments. You know, I I'm I at them and I'm like how do you even know how to do that <laughs> you know they and their mechanics will be just spot on too you know it's crazy because they're like
2: sponges yeah they're not broken like us andy that's the difference
0: that's true um <laughs> uh, i call this this week we did today i call it turned up test week you know because when we roll like i put the guy especially if you're testing for a belt i put him through the ringer and i always come in feeling pretty good on mondays but by thursday i'm whoo I'm dragging Thursday morning, you know, coming down the hall, walking like I'm 90, and Lindsay's like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, girl, my back is killing me. You have no idea.
2: <laughs> Why is it always Thursday? I'm always exhausted by it's Thursday. Thursday. It's Thursday. Oh. And Friday, I'm kind of like, okay, I feel okay again now. But Thursday, <laughs> end of Thursday night, we're Uh-oh. dead. Both us <laughs> look at each other, staring <laughs> into the distance.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Everybody wants a piece. That's what it is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's Thursday night. Everyone wants to come after us.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, the darker your belt gets, the worse that's going to get too. I promise you that. Making
1: notes. Get Pete on a Thursday. Get Pete on a Thursday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. On a
2: Thursday. I'll just lie down and you can just come and get me. I'll just, I just, I got some Thursday.
0: I got some big brutes here too. Like I'm a small guy, like I said, and I got some guys here at 300 pounds. So, you know, on test week, they want to kill me just. Oh to- <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, yeah, it's fun. So Andy,
1: yep. random question for you, but what's on the Christmas list? What's that? What's on the Christmas list? What did you write to Santa for?
0: <laughs> Man, you know what? I, I I don't really need anything right now. It's Lindsay asked me the same thing. and I'm like, babe, I'm good. And I, 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 I don't really need anything. Let's, let's just get together and eat dinner or something, you know, but uh I don't really need anything. I don't really have anything on my Christmas. She hates that because now she's she's out shopping for me without any idea. I bought her a sink. <laughs> so she said she wanted everything including the kitchen sink. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, "You sure you want a sink? Are you setting me up?" <laughs> <laughs> the problem
2: is though, You'll get that, and you'll get the sink, and she'll love the sink, but then when she explains it to her friends later on, they'll be like, Uh, what?
0: I'm just just (laughs) a terrible husband.
2: Yeah. Even (laughs) if she says, no, no, it's what I wanted, they'll still be like, really?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. My mama said I better get something else.
2: (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah, I won't divulge what I've got, because... Yeah, my girlfriend's probably around, so I'll keep that one quiet. <laughs> oh, dear. What's, what do you think you your kind of... So when you're when kind of jumping back again to mechanics and stuff, what do you think is your best methods for getting mechanics across to your guys? How do you kind of... I don't know, is there an example of a... Putting you on the spot. Is there an example of something where there's a mechanic that always comes up that you talk to them a lot about, like the crosses techniques, or is there... Like a way you got a way of explaining
0: it. Yeah, um, you know, the, for me and and I, I still shamelessly, but I always give credit where credit is due. I'm going back to Alan. Some of the, the best places to teach mechanics is bottom of the side mount. Um, his li- living mechanic stuff he teaches he generally starts there because a it's a place everybody ends up. It's a place everybody hates, and it's a place where if your mechanics are solid, you can survive. So um I, I generally teach from there and I focus heavily on um anchors and posts, anchors and wedges. And generally when I I talk to guys, you know, about mechanics, um, I try to always relate back to those couple things, you know, top side arm under the head, boom, there's your anchor. Right. Eliminate the anchor, eliminate part of the problem. You know, I'm 140 pounds without the anchor, I'm 140 pounds. Camp my body, put the anchor in, I'm now 240 pounds. You know, so um I always try to reiterate that, you know, I always try to give demonstrations of uh, with good mechanics, how it work, with bad mechanics, how it doesn't work. And I'll, uh, generally I explain on the biggest guy I got against the wall, you know, cause I'm, I'm, I'm small. So if I can make it work against him, you know, generally some guys will see kind of what I'm doing, you know, or, or, and take note to, to what I'm doing. So it runs back to a lot of the same principles. And like I said, that all, it's all passed down from master sour, but you know, um i have no ability to defeat people with strength my attribute speed i'm pretty fast but definitely not strength and size um so it goes back to mechanics the only way i can survive is mechanics that's it if it's if it is not mechanically sound i will die you know they'll get me they'll tap me it's just it is what it is so you know um you find that
1: I was going to being say, smaller,
0: yes, being big. smaller, sorry, Andy, sorry, carry on.
1: No, no, I was going to say, um, do you find that being smaller, that, you know, like when you talk about and when you show and when you demonstrate those mechanics, that it, it's kind of more credible because you are the small guy doing it to the big guy? Um, what do you think about, you know, like the bigger instructors? Because there's always that element, I'm sure, for those guys where people just say, yeah, but it's only working
0: because you're big or, you know,
1: do, do you yeah.
0: find you get less questions because you're smaller or, or not? Um I don't know that I would necessarily get less questions. I mean, it was my size was a concern when I started. I I, I had this this picture. I wish I could show it to you. Um of my one of my guys named Phil Weed. He is a ginormous man. He fills up a doorway when he comes in. And you know, when I first opened the school, one of my fears was that guys would come in, take one look at me and say, Yeah, I'll see you later. You know and wouldn't train with me and i haven't had that problem i've got a lot of big guys here i actually have sold a bunch of a5 geese like randy's like i've never sold an a5 G, you know i have actually sold one a6 um <laughs> yeah i got some big dudes but um so you know when i'm able to hold them off and rolling you know and my game survival too you know i'm not i'm you know i, I catch them sometimes but for me, at 130, 140-pound dude, if I can survive my 300-plus-pound blue belt, I did well, you know. Um, so that's it. If, if they can't catch me, then generally, you know, it proves that my mechanics were good and solid. Uh, Joe Rogan once said, you know, if you want to learn jujitsu, learn it from the light guy, the guy that had to drill it a thousand times to get it right so it's mechanically sound. So I, I think it has its advantage. But um, I will say, you know, it takes generally sometimes – getting on the mat and rolling a little bit with guys when they first come in to get them to appreciate it. And it has its disadvantages, obviously. And, but I think the big guys have the same problem. I think they have a disadvantage sometimes too, for being so big. One of the things that my guys tell me is that I'm uh, slippery is what Pedro calls it, you know, because it's very tough for those guys to close the space down around me because I'm so small and they're so big, Yeah, you know? So, you know, I think everything's body type specific. Um, I'm actually thinking about putting a series together, a couple video series together. I've been talking to Al, with Alan about it a little bit too, but uh, I want to do one that's more escapes and sweeps and defenses. And I'm gonna—I think I'm gonna call it "Surviving Goliath." I'm gonna use one of my big guys, and then I want to do a second one called "Killing Goliath" and uh, do something that's more submission-based for small guys against big guys. It's kind of something that's on my on my back burner that I'm, I'm thinking about putting out there at some point.
2: That's interesting you saying about I'm. Like surviving as well, with the like you were saying, like if you can survive rolling with one of those big guys on top, even if it's like a even if it's like a blue belt or a purple belt and you can survive that, that's that's good. A lot of people would feel bad saying that. They wanna, you know, they think, oh, I've got to beat him if I'm if I'm the higher grade and things like that. So it's cool for our guys to hear that.
0: I have zero qualms getting tapped by any of my guys. I don't I don't have an ego about it. I don't care. I I I the day they tap me is a happy day for me. I did my job. I taught them something they caught me. I made a mistake. They submit me good. No problem uh you know, my goal for everybody that comes through my door is is to get them to a point where they they can, you know, uh function and be able to get at a level where they they could submit me at will, you know. I, I don't I don't have a problem with that. Um, and I'm not I'm 40, you know, I'm, I'm no, no spring chicken. And like I said, I'm small. So, you know, for every you know, 10 pounds, 20 pounds, a guy's got on you. And then, you know, every 10 years, that's a belt rank. <laughs> I mean, uh, it matters. It really matters. So my game has been defensive built out of the gate. Um, one thing I'm good at is energy conservation. Um, I tell my guys all the time, you know, everybody fights for feet, we need to fight for centimeters. You know, just because I'm stuck on the bottom doesn't mean I got to escape. I just got to be able to breathe. I just got to be able to, you know, be comfortable being uncomfortable. Uh, something Master Sauer has, has said before. And if I can get to there and not be dying, you know, time's on my side. And and that's kind of the kind of the key. So that that's my game is even all the way to now is still very defensive. Um, I'm I always think of of jujitsu players as kind of like hunters and trappers. You know. The hunter – Randy's a hunter. Like, when I'm rolling with Randy, I see that submission coming all the way across the room, and I just can't stop it. You know, his mechanics are solid, and he's going to get it. And I'm more – Oh. Uh,
1: We're lost. Him.
0: Lost
2: him.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, Guys, <laughs> thing off. Uh, when I catch you, um, it, it you didn't see it. So uh, – and I think that comes from my defensive game where I, you know – I worry about defense more than anything, and then when I see something open up, I'll take it and, and run with it. And if I don't and I can roll and do the whole the whole roll and not get submitted, fine. We don't run a time clock here, too. Sometimes I may let the guys go 30 minutes and never stop them. So uh, Eddie Camden once told me the number one rule in jiu-jitsu is never get tired because you never know how long the fight's going to be. So you should have good mechanics, not work or not work off your attributes, and be able to fight as long as it takes.
1: Like that, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a defensive jujitsu, I just I just want to get better at not getting submitted. So, uh, you know, just the longer the roles, the better, you know, the, the more frustrating I am for everybody else, the better. Sure. I think I'd get along a lot along well with you, Andy. I think, although our roles together might be really boring if it's just both laying there trying to survive, you know, next to each other. Well, somebody's <laughs> got to do something
0: eventually, you know. <laughs>
3: Yeah, someone would
0: turn the light off and go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh I did my I think my last tournament I ever did was a submission only tournament. And uh I was rolling with a guy and we had a 45 minute match. And uh it got to the point where my my training partner that I've trained with for years, so he was on the sideline and he quit even watching. He was like fooling around on Facebook, you know, <laughs> and I would holler at him, Hey man, Hey Bo, should I do something stupid? And he's going holler back, No, don't do nothing stupid, you know. Guy finally caught me rear naked choke, but uh we were having a conversation while we were rolling it was hilarious you know they actually started another match to the side because we were just we just kept going kept going kept going (laughs) but that's it for me man you got to be able because you know you got to be able to you got to be able to survive as long as it takes because if if you know if you're gonna if you're gonna build a good game off mechanics you know you you don't have to worry about your your stamina necessarily if you're if you can survive and um you know, just don't get tired, man. Don't get tired, wear them down, and eventually they'll make that mistake, and then, then the aha moment comes, you know. So that's kind of my game. Do
2: you, think do you think your guys pick that up, or do you kind of talk to them about kind of those different styles? You've got that survival, and then you've got the guys that are hunting. and
0: um, We actually, yeah, we talk about it some, you know. Uh, I, I talk jujitsu with my guys all the time it's that most of them come in 30 minutes early and sit out on the mat. we run our mouths. Uh, but you know, I, have got some of their hunters here, you know, that they, they're going after it, you know, they, they know, they know what they want and they're looking, they're steadily looking for it. So, and I think, I think people just got to develop their own game. You know, I, I reference, I'm obviously I'm in construction. So I reference building a house a lot. You know, the foundation is all the same, you know, we lay the foundation the same, but everybody's house looks different. You know, you build the house however you want it on top of it. So, it's not up to me to tell you how your game should be, or if it's right or wrong. You know, uh, you build it, build it based on on your style and what's comfortable to you. The one thing I do push to the guys all the time is to uh, not rely on their attributes. You know, I, I tell my big guys that come in, you know, uh, you're strong, you got big muscles, take that, put it in your back pocket, forget about it. You know, learn mechanics. If you build your game on mechanics, you can train into your 90s like Grandmaster Ali or Gracie did. If you build your game on attributes, you're going to be done in 10 years. You can take them, those attributes out in real life and inject them into the fight whenever you want to. That's the nitrous oxide button on the car, you know. The car don't run on nitrous, it runs on, on fuel, right? We drop nitrous in it when we need to. In here, in the lab, we don't need it, you know. Out there, well, maybe that's where we add that power or we add that strength or we add that speed, you know. But our mechanics, our foundation have got to be solid no matter what. I like
3: that. Nice analogy. When we're back on the map, we can use that
0: one. Oh, no. Feel free. Like I said, I still shamelessly, I just always give yeah. credit. Where... We, we, we,
3: always, we always try and give credit.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely.
2: You know what, as well, I'm sorry, hang on, my door's just flown open. Um, that's like fundamental across the association, like everybody we've spoken to, you know, there's not on and off camera, there's not one person that doesn't, you know, that isn't really good at giving credit as to where they got everything from, where they learned it, where they saw it. And that's kind of rare with martial arts sometimes. Sometimes you don't see that a lot. It's like they invented it. Oh, no, they did you know
0: Well, man, there's so much jujitsu out there now. Like, coming up with something new is almost impossible. But, and we have, in our association, we have some, some you know, big rock stars. We really do. You know of guys that are just phenomenal at what they do and so i try to pick those guys brains whenever i can and you know like i said I, i'm a, a firm believer in giving credit i actually have a sweep i do i teach uh i call it the mike diaz armpit sweep i don't even know what it's called but in my school that's the name of it you know and i don't even i saw it in a seminar mike taught one time you know and to this day i teach the mike diaz armpit sweep you know uh <laughs> it gives credibility to those guys, you know, it puts, puts them up as they should, you know, that, especially the, the OGs, they were out there way before me, you know, so, you know, giving them their credit, they deserve it. They, 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 they're the part of the reason we're able, they, they cut the path for us, you know, that's what they've done. So.
2: Yeah. We've got a load of techniques that we've named after people that have showed it to us. And we kind of got that from our friend Heldo, and he, he kind of calls it either the Dave Porter guard break, or he calls it you know whatever. And we've yep. done the same. Yeah, whoever showed it to us, that's whose sweep it is, or who's. <laughs> everyone, everyone knows what we're talking about then. Yep. Love it. Love it. Cool. Right. Well, we'll probably start wrapping up. All right. Man, thank well. you. Thank you so much for coming on.
0: Well, I've really enjoyed it. It was a nice chat with you guys, man. Uh, anytime uh, you need anything from me, don't hesitate to call me. Uh, you can Google my, my school. My school number rings my cell phone. So, uh, especially association stuff, if you've got anything, any questions you need, anything, let me know. I spoke with uh, once co- some of the guys across the pond over in your way, over in Norway and whatnot. Uh,
1: mm-hmm,
0: yeah. yeah. Randy had y'all on, on his call list, and I had some of those guys, so. But if you run across any needs, man, don't hesitate to let me know. And um, if I can't get them answered, if I don't have an answer, I'll get you an answer. You know, I'll get it up the ladder, wherever it's got to go for sure. You know, within the association, that's our, our next piece is to increase communication between everybody. So,
2: Yeah. No, looking forward to that. Definitely. And uh, getting, getting together when we're allowed to, when we're allowed to travel and stuff like that, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Um, Is there anything you want to kind of promote, promote your school and talk about where people can find the school and,
0: yeah, uh, so uh, the school is Gracie Jiu Jitsu Commerce. We're in Commerce, Georgia, which is uh, kind of the, the northeast side of Georgia. Uh, we're in not too, not too, too far out of Atlanta. Kind of uh, maybe an hour from Atlanta uh, up the north. And if anybody's ever in my area, my school is open to anybody, anytime, uh, any lineage, any any association. I let guys come in and train. You know, we we got a great family atmosphere, great team here, laid back. And uh, I love to just share jujitsu with anybody that wants to come to the door. Hopefully you guys can cross the pond sometime. I get to see you. I need to cross the pond and come to y'all whenever all this stuff's over. Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
2: We've got, we've got the world's biggest road trip planned for when we're allowed to uh, – <laughs> the world's biggest road trip for, for us three. So, yeah, we've got to figure that out as soon as we're allowed to do something.
0: Nice. That's awesome. <laughs>
2: Okay, cool. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll kill it on uh, on YouTube. So thanks everybody that's watched, is watching live, is watching recorded after.